and today I wanted to talk to y'all about focus and um, I think I'm going to start with what I'm focusing on right now right this second I'm focused on okra (laughs) and yes that is the most southern possible thing I could be focused upon but that's where my head is and I eventually want to talk to you about how focusing on something can save your life in trauma. But first, we might as well talk about okra. Now y'all, to me, okra is the most magical thing I grow. Hands down, not messing around with y'all, it's okra. Even in years that I didn't feel like eating okra, I still grow it anyway. Always have, always will. There is just such a satisfying experience with it. Now, I'm not that great with tomatoes. I grow them (laughs) because um, as Steel Magnolias taught us, I'm a Southern woman and I don't make the rules. And (laughs) there are some things you just have to grow. And I do. I grow them and they last for a little while and then they cave (laughs) because we have viruses and we have all kinds of bugs and the pressure of that on an organic farm can get to be quite a lot so don't grow them very well and I also grow other things Um, peppers I'm the queen of peppers it is no problem for me to grow them and in fact sometimes I have to right nearly kill them to make them quit it um I don't think mine died completely until the first 17 degree freeze this year and they were still trying Bless their hearts. I am great at peppers. And a long time ago, I had a friend of mine who I had really, I think, I'm not sure, I think she would say, inspired to grow things. And she lives in Maine. That's a very cold place to, to try to grow things, but they have summers. She can't grow okra. And that's because of the long growing life that they need to do before they'll do fruit. Well, in this case, a vegetable. But I remember her really struggling one year and me telling her, grow arugula. It is one of the most forgiving ones that you can do um, as a crop. And it sometimes will just save your life going out there and seeing it out there. Just do it. But if she had have lived farther south, I would have told her to grow okra. I've grown it in seed starter. I put it directly in the ground, and no matter which way I go, I always get gorgeous stalks out of it. It just wants to be. It really does. The flowers will break your heart, and whether or not you eat it, somebody will. (laughs) Um, It's almost like zucchini, but I can't grow zucchini. The squash borers get me too quick. The thing about okra that I think matters the most to me, despite the fact that, well, I can pickle it, um, I can freeze it, I can dehydrate it, 
It's the one that keeps giving all year. You can cut it one day and go back the next and there you have it, ready to go again. But the real reason I love it is it's such a time-intensive focus study. I mean, tomatoes and peppers take a while too, but nothing, for me at least, takes as long as okra. Folks up north can do tomatoes, honey. But down here, we all know that okra is going to need lots of height. It's not something you want to grow in a pot, that's for sure, and I don't know if you can. I'm sure some soul out there has been successful. I don't see how. It wants to get tall. It's almost like a tree that way. And I usually put mine down as soon as I'm sure the first freeze is over, and I have to wait forever for it to get kicking. And so I have to focus. I have to let it have that time. I have to believe in it. I have to have faith in it. And when it gets to kicking hard, honey, well, (laughs) anyone who grows it can tell you, you're going to have your hands full. (laughs) You're going to be quite busy. But I can only do it in this climate. And I can only do it if I have that kind of faith. And I can only do it if I have that kind of patience. And so that is why okra matters that much to me. And right now, y'all, I need focus. I have this horrible propensity of focusing on other people and thinking about what they're going through and worrying about them too much. And that has been extraordinarily detrimental to my mental health going through my current situation. Very not good for me. As a witch, as a mama, as a grandmama, none of it. It wasn't working for me to only focus on another human being. Because we literally have no control over grown-ups. And we may have a little bit of control over children. But over grown-ups, we have none. And we can shine mirrors up to their face and give them all the love in the world and all the space in the world and still not be able to help them focus on their own real growth. And eventually, we do have to make decisions on whether or not we're going to give all that energy to somebody who is most intent on drowning or if we're going to pull our focus back in to something that, well, might have a shot. But things that have real chances in hell of growing and becoming something wonderful that puts out wonderful things into the world, things and people like that, they take time. Lots and lots of time. And it's really easy when you see somebody you love drowning. Well, it's really easy to get caught up in that. And I know y'all know the whole thing, right? If somebody is drowning, you try to save them. A lot of times, I know you know this, they will grab a hold of you and take you down too. I used to believe that I was selfish to want to save myself. And so... I would give everything up to the drowning person and very barely stay alive, honestly. Risk my neck on that over and over. But now, the older I get, the more I understand that saving myself and focusing on my well-being helps me to save the things around me that I do care about. Well, also that are willing to be saved, (laughs) you know? But my focus is not just on 
saving me these days. And it's not just on making sure that no one I love falls down or gets hurt. Lately, my focus has been on new things. And I tell you what, when you are in trauma and you realize nobody's coming, honey, (laughs) nobody's coming, and you have to save yourself, I think the first most important thing for me, and I know it's different for everyone, was seeing what it was like up there. Is it worth it to pull myself out of this dark well? Is there anything up there beautiful and worth it? And do I want to be around it anymore? Do I want to explore all these other things? And so I started an exercise for myself about a week ago. My therapist gave me a lot of tools, but some of them didn't work for me. And so I crafted my own (laughs) because I'm a witch, honey, and witches know how to craft their own tools. And what I needed to do was, okay, imagine you're down in a dark well and it's murky. And when you look up the edge around it, well, that edge is also sort of dark too. And so you think to yourself, it's easier to just stay here. It requires no work, and I could work my ass off to get up to this ledge, if you will, this circular, solid ground above me. But then I would get there, and I would be just as miserable. You kind of feeling what I'm saying? And so I started manifesting the world around that dark depth of a hole right at that edge and what it might look like. I started manifesting it. So it was for me something worth crawling up to. And in my little witch brain, I built it very, very small, um, just inches at a time. I started imagining that there was like green deer moss around it. And that was the first thing I did. And As the days have waned and gone and come back again, I start adding things to that area, whether they be flowers or friends or oceans. I just keep building it in my head as something I want to crawl to. And it's starting to work, y'all. A long time ago, when a very similar trauma happened to me, that I'm going to protect. I never had talked about it on the podcast and I never will. I'm just going to protect the person that I feel like did hurt me, but I don't know. It doesn't help me to hurt them back. So I'm not going to talk about it. However, I was in this very similar place. This time feels deeper, but at least I know. (laughs) I know the flavor baby and it ain't vanilla. (laughs) I've had this ice cream before. But when I kind of attempted to crawl out of that one back in 2016, I caved to a lot of pressures around me to get rid of friends. And I do mean an enormous amount of friends. And I did that to make other people comfortable. I could have saved some of those friendships. I could have worked through a lot of things. But another situation was more important than them to me. And it required all of my focus. And so I gave it all up. I gave up friends. And y'all, I think that this is um, harder for people who were more 
I suppose, introverted and don't need a lot of people to really get, to really grok on this concept. Because for someone like me, interactions with other human beings, regardless if they were witch or not, was like, well, it was like food to my soul. And some of those connections I had made, well, I'd been there for those people. And then they were the well, they were the soft deer moss around that dark hole for me anytime I needed it. And I was the same for them. So when I gave up all of that, when I made that really horrible sacrifice for another human being, I didn't have anything left when I ended up in the same damn hole. And there is no shame for those of us who need people to need people. It doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us uh, lesser than or embarrassing to need to talk to humans and to have that kind of connection. And other people, there are people in this world who do not need any of that and that might judge that, but not me. I get it. So one of the first things I think that was critical for me was to value the friendships I still had. But to know that if I was really going to manifest a new road that I could walk on alone, that road would have to have that same dear moss. It would have to have new friends and new possibilities. It's, I don't know what it is for me, but it's just, it's critical to me to have friendships. So while I still had my good standbys and bless them, Bless y'all's hearts, honey. I have no idea what it felt like to go through all this with me. And we're not done yet, so (laughs) hang in there. I started doing something new. You know, when it was happening, I would literally imagine my fingers reaching up over my head to that little edge that was the other world that I was afraid to go back to and just sort of creating this beautiful green moss everywhere that sustains life. And um, I would imagine mushrooms growing upon it. And those were new people and new ideas. And anyway, a long time ago, someone who is no longer in my life told me that when they were broken, they followed the music. And uh, that wasn't my style. But I was so desperate for relief from the pain that I started following the music and started going out. Um, In fact, I've got to wrap this up early tonight because I have a concert to go to. And that's going to be a very hard concert to go to, by the way. Um, It's being held where I got married. It's being held in the same building. And I haven't been in that building since that. Sorry. Um. Sorry, I don't do notes, and so I never know where I'm going, and so I can trip and skin my knee while I'm talking to y'all, and I just did. Um, I haven't been in that building since December 6th of 2008, and um, I've been afraid <laughs> to go. Uh, I have a good friend, and there's a wonderful concert tonight, and I um need to face my fears. <laughs> So I'm going, anyway, back to the story. Sorry about that. Uh, Following the music. I started doing that. And, well, music is healing. It really is. And the folks that gather together to listen to it, 
they're kind of on the same journey. <laughs> Even if they're okay, they're still looking for connection to life. And it's been, well, I'd love to tell y'all that it's not hurt, but it has. Sometimes I'm sitting there listening to somebody play the guitar and break in half. <laughs> but sometimes I'm sitting there listening to it and I'll look across the room and someone will look back at me and we're both tapping our feet the same way and later on we'll be outside talking and I've made, gosh, I've made at least a dozen new friends of all ages and I know that those friends and that little glimmery world, you know, of deer moss and mushrooms and sometimes I think they're the mushrooms, <laughs> which is this connective, vibrant web of life are waiting for me, waiting for me, because I manifested all of that road for me. It might have already existed, but I didn't have a road to it. I didn't manifest them. Y'all, I manifested the path out of that well. And there it is, glimmering, and I'm starting to walk on it sometimes, and sometimes, y'all, I get scared, and I run back to my little well. But the music itself, and I know I'm beating analogies to death, but that's who I am. As a creative, that's who I am. The music has become the ladder. The way I pull out of it and go visit this other world, this possible new life. And if I get scared, I run back down my little ladder. <laughs> I.e. drive home crying at 10, 11, and oh God, the other night, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, listening to other music that pulls me back down into the dark. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's a long haul vegetable. <laughs> it's a long haul road. And I'm growing something. And it's starting to really have roots. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. I don't think I've brought this up with y'all before. We're not Christians. It's okay to be proud of yourself. You know, don't be a narcissistic asshat, but pride itself is not a sin. You need it, honey. Some of us are so injured or traumatized that without that permission to feel proud of our work, oh, honey, we drown. So feel the pride. You've earned it. And it also took about three months for me to understand something else. The person who threw me in the well, and I did get thrown. And that's not me victimizing myself. I put myself in a position to get thrown. <laughs> However, I've started to understand that hurt and damaged and broken people hurt and damage and break people if they haven't healed and if they haven't done work. Where I am in my little witch journey is I have been hurt and damaged and broken before, yeah, starting out as a small kid. But it took years, it took decades for me to get to a place where I didn't want to hurt people back. And I took full responsibility and became accountable for all my actions. And now what I've started to see is that what happened next was I went too far the other direction. And what I mean by that is I would lay myself down as sacrifice to other people's pain and injury and their fucked upness, which could be beautiful, 
but maybe isn't that beautiful in the moment (laughs) or for now. I'm working on something really new and it is so hard, (laughs) but I'm attempting to do it so that when I get out of this darkness, which I've been playing with lately, you know, when I'm fully back up there and only walking up there again, that I don't take all this baggage with me. Maybe I should have titled this Lessons from a Crone. I am croned. I'm in the midst of my Saturn return. We're at the tail end of it. And by the way, y'all, I had thought my Saturn return was last year. I had miscalculated. It's now. And, um, wow. <laughs> Can y'all please be very cognizant of that coming? I wish I had not miscalculated the way I did. And I wish that my second Saturn return was not so classic. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> it is. And, um... As a witch, I have choices to make on how I handle it. I've been very proud of the way I've handled everything thus far. I mean, I've made mistakes, especially when the trauma first occurred. I made, you know, all the classic bullshit mistakes we make and, oh God, lash out and show too much of my emotion and whatever. I'm giving myself a break on that. But I've done so much work on myself, there's no way I was willing to completely lose that work. And if you dig into what a Saturn return is, you'll you'll see that um, your, your world can blow up, especially if something is not stable, um, like marriages. Your world can completely go sideways, and it doesn't mean it's over. Your life, I mean. You, the most important thing. But it does mean that You have to make choices about where you want to land, and it honestly can change the trajectory of your entire life. So, for instance, if you don't get through the broken marriage, if the other person doesn't love you and doesn't do the work too, there's nothing you can do. Not a damn thing, baby. However, you can decide where you want your new beautiful manifested garden to be. And who you're going to be in it, and how you react, and who you want to love, and um, the witch you want to be. And the witch I want to be is forgiving, but gentle, calm, strong boundaries. I will not let myself be treated in certain ways. I will not accept behavior that would take away my dignity. But I will work hard on forgiveness because at the end of the day, I can't carry that anymore. I'm getting too old to carry it. And it sounds like I'm getting too weak to carry it. But it's not like that at all, bad children. It's not that at all. I'm not weak. (laughs) Oh, honey, I've lost, uh, let's see, I've lost 15 pounds. I've built my muscles up. I'm strong as hell. I've was told the other day I looked like I was only 37. I'm okay. I mean, I'm getting too old and too um, wise to carry it. Because if I carry that, I'm not carrying all the wonderful baskets of okra. (laughs) 
that I can still grow and all the new friendships and all the new wonderful things I can be. And uh, if anybody wanted to walk with me, not behind me, not in front of me, but with me, they would need to do all that work too. They would need to, well, work on their shit and become better people and carry their own damn basket instead of trying to throw it on me and say, hey, all of my shit's your fault. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it really isn't. I've got my own baskets and I've been throwing them away because a lot of them I'm done with. And I've got this beautiful moss-covered pathway in front of me. So anyone who walks with me from now on cannot walk in front, behind. They can't be tripping me. They can't be lying. They can't be manipulating me. They can't be trying to control me or worried about me controlling them. They will have to be equal. You know, it took me until this year to understand that you should not have to tell someone to do the right and noble thing. You shouldn't have to beg them, yell at them, conjole them, or trick them into doing the right and noble thing. And if they don't have your same sensibility and your same value system about what is right and noble and true, they need to go. And if they try to, we have to let them. So, that is where I am as a witch in trauma today. And it's okay to say, in trauma, it's okay to say it. <laughs> Don't listen to that toxic positivity. Where I am is still trauma, but I'm over here <laughs> with my broom, and I'm over here manifesting and casting and, oh yeah, I'm casting again, y'all, <laughs> and shadow working. And I have this funny feeling. I was talking to an older witch about a month ago, and he said to me, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to feel it like, oh, this is the moment I'm out of trauma. You know, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be this slow climb, which is exactly what I've used as an analogy, too. So that's funny. And then one day you're going to go, oh, my God. and it's going to be like a month behind you and it happened in tiny inches. So it's okay to say I'm a witch in trauma, but last night I was outside and I was with people and someone was playing a guitar and somebody else said something really funny and I laughed and I didn't even know it was coming out of me. I heard my own laughter shaking my bones and lighting up my face and inches all the way out of the well. And then perhaps the most painful thing, okay, that's not true. There's another one, but I can't share it with y'all because I'm going to protect someone's privacy. But the one I can speak to, one of the most painful things I realized during all this time was no one was coming to save me. And it's not that they didn't try. <laughs> it's just that they can't get that far down the well. And I wouldn't want them to. 
I wouldn't want them to get down here and get lost. And I wouldn't want to drown them. Because at the end of the day, as a witch, all their love and support really needs to be way up there at the top. That little circumference I talked about over the well. Needs to be up there. Telling me you can do it. Keep pulling. I ain't coming down there with you because damn if you're not going to drown me. (laughs) And uh, that's where they need to be. And because I love them, I wouldn't let them come down here anyhow. But that was the hardest thing. No one's coming to save you, baby. Because even if they tried, they would die. The only way up is you saving yourself. So that's where I am. And um, one of my dear friends, Sarah Bethany, wrote to me today. And she couldn't possibly know what that message meant to me. She couldn't possibly know. I guess she'll know now. She's in my Patreon. And I'm releasing this over there first, so she'll know now. But she wrote to me and she said, So okra. Can I start it in the house now? Is it too early? (laughs) Okra. (laughs) That long haul vegetable. The one that makes it all worth it at the end. Okra. Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciated that. And just so everybody knows that's listening, you cannot start okra too early. It'll get leggy, and when it gets leggy, it won't be able to support the growth. Isn't that a fun analogy? I'll let you make that one in your own head. (laughs) You literally have to wait till the time is right and plan and have faith and believe. And so I'm waiting for the last freeze, and then I'll start my okra. But that in and of itself is a rung on a ladder, just planning it. So I don't know where you are. You may be in absolutely no trauma at all. You know, daily worries, how to pay the bills and trudging along. But if you are in trauma or if you've been in trauma for too long and you've been stuck, I have one more epiphany for you. For three months, I thought I was floating in that well. For three months, I thought I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to just let go and sink to the bottom. But last night, on my ride home down this long country road, I was listening to uh, Ray LaMontagne, which I have not listened to him in so, so long. And I was listening to him, and it finally occurred to me, I wasn't floating, y'all. I've been treading water, refusing to get back up and refusing to go down. Treading water, waiting on someone to come save me. And then I asked myself a question. I asked someone I love more than life itself one time. I love this person more than I've ever loved another person that did not come out of my body. Didn't know it the night I asked them a long time ago. Didn't know that they were going to mean all that to me. But my own words came back to me driving down that country road. Aren't you tired yet? Ain't you tired? And the answer was yes. I am fucking exhausted. And so I started climbing. All right, I got to get out of here. I got a show to go watch. And I love y'all like chicken. I'll talk to you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.